My name is Dr. Tram Jones, and since 2019, my wife and I have been living in Haiti. This is the story of our life there and the patients we've seen. The prison looms like a fortress in the distance. It is a large rectangle, 200 feet by 800 feet, smack dab in the middle of downtown Guadibouque, the National Penitentiary. Every day as we drive to work, we skirt it by two blocks, its tall walls springing into view at each intersection. Despite the fortifications, we had no desire to drive close by. One day in February, we were at work, seeing patients as usual. Around 1 p.m., a buzz started among my colleagues. Something was happening. Before I could go out to ask them, I started to get alerts on my security WhatsApp group. There was trouble at the Bouquet prison. The Bouquet prison is one of Haiti's largest penitentiaries. Rather than being built in a more isolated and defensible zone, it had been constructed in the middle of densely populated downtown Bouquet. This meant that attacks on the prison could be launched without any warning. At the time of this story, it housed Haiti's most notorious former gang boss, as well as a select group of high-profile criminals. There had been an attempted breakout last year, orchestrated by this same gang leader. The escape was thwarted and ended with him being surrounded on the roof. Prison outbreaks in Haiti are nothing new. 174 prisoners had escaped in 2016 after killing a guard. During the 2010 earthquake in Port-au-Prince, the walls were destroyed for the downtown prison. Unlike Paul in the Book of Acts, the prisoners took the chance. 4,000 inmates escaped that day. The numbers on these escapes seem almost comically large. The most numerous U.S. prison escape that I can find on record is a famous case of seven Texas prisoners who managed to break out of a high-security prison. Nothing comes close to the magnitude of Haitian escapes. This day's breakout seemed severe. News started to trickle in. There was a cacophony of firing occurring around the prison. Bodies were reported to be on the ground in front of the building. National police officers were pouring across the bridge from Port-au-Prince to control the riot. Hannah and I were at the clinic. We were in relative safety, a mile and a half from the prison and behind tall walls. The news hit us and the employees like most of these things do. There was an initial 15 minutes of fear, and then we all hit our phones to dredge up the gossip. The problem was, while we were safe at the clinic, to get back to our home, we would need to drive past the prison. Hannah has been working on her MBA while in Haiti, and she had class online that night at 6. Unfortunately, despite our trying for nearly a year, the internet at the clinic was not strong enough to stream. So, we needed to head back home. In retrospect, this does not seem like a compelling enough reason, but at the time, it seemed logical. By 4.30, we... Myself, Hannah, and our colleagues decided to head out. As we did, we started to get numbers about the breakout. 400 prisoners had escaped. This number still feels absurd when I say it. 25 people had been killed, including the prison warden. We had all seen videos on the social networks of naked prisoners running through the streets of Bouquet and being lassoed by police. We figured by this time, any prisoner who was escaping would have left the area. As we sped along, the streets were deserted, in a creepy way. We followed Pierball's car and quickly wound through the downtown streets. We popped out of the urban area and drove rapidly home. Prisons in Haiti are a terrible place. Given that we live so close to one, it seems appropriate to give the rundown. 
The first thing you need to know is that prisons are overcrowded. The Kwadibuke prison was built with help from the Canadians to hold 870 prisoners. At the time of the February breakout, there were more than 1,500 inmates. The average prisoner in Haiti receives 3 feet by 2 feet of space in a cell. But in many places, it's even worse than that. Just give yourself a second to imagine that. That's probably around the size of your desk, certainly not enough to even lay down. In a typical prison cell in Port-au-Prince, there are some 60 prisoners in a 20-foot by 10-foot cell. There is, of course, no toilet, just a bucket in the middle. Throughout the day, inmates do their business in it, one on top of another. Given the obvious lack of toilet paper, you wipe your hand and then wipe that on the wall. The smell is universally described as unbearable. Because there is not enough room to sleep on the floor, prisoners lay with their back in the lap of the person behind them, whose back is in the lap of the person behind them, and so forth, in a long line. Prisoners say that other inmates frequently urinate on the back of the person in front of them because there's nothing else they can do. In Haitian hospitals, families have to bring food for the patients. The same is true in prison. A prisoner may receive one meager meal per day, barely enough to prevent starvation. They do not generally receive health care. If an inmate has no family to bring it, he will not get medications. Many prisoners are locked up in the nude due to lack of clothes and the sweltering Caribbean heat. Hence, when the prison outbreak occurred near us, there were mobs of naked men running through the streets. 82% of Haiti's prisoners have never seen a judge. They have been waiting in prison, many between 6 and 10 years, without any charges. Often they aren't even sure what they're accused of doing. They're too poor to do anything about it. Among the few prisoners who do see a judge, even if they're judged innocent, the paperwork is frequently lost and the inmate just languishes in prison for the rest of their life. And it seems kind of like a made-up story, that the world doesn't really work like that. But sadly, it's often the reality. There is little push for change from the Haitian people. They have suffered mightily under the chains of gang overlords. Improving prison life is very low on the list of priorities when the average person is living a life of abject misery. I certainly understand that. When there are not the basics, security, food, water, then civil rights are not the focus. The fear, desperation, and suffering of the average person is just so intense. However, prisons in Haiti don't really punish the true criminals. Those gang bosses that do end up in prison are able to buy themselves a good life. It was revealed that that gang leader we mentioned before, that was in prison in Kwadibuke, had nine cell phones on him. Even for the head of an armed group, I'm unsure of the need for nine phones. Three weeks ago, a video surfaced of one of the chiefs of a gang celebrating his birthday in the National Penitentiary. He had alcohol in his hand, gold chains around his neck, and expensive clothes. The truth is that those that live in the misery of Haitian prisons are the little people, not the authors of the tragedies of Haiti. I talked in an earlier episode about witnessing an execution by a mob in the mountains of Haiti. As Americans... We're often disgusted by these stories. We don't understand them. And you can't understand them unless you've experienced the system in Haiti. Justice in Haiti does not exist currently. It just doesn't. I have had friends suffer armed robbery or kidnapping. When they call the police, the officers give a wry laugh and say they don't have control of that area. There is nothing they can do. Even if the police do arrive, the justice system, the judges, the courts, 
They don't work. If you have money for a bribe, guilty or not, you are released or treated well. If you don't have money for that, you're kept in prison. In a country with no real police or justice system, what can you expect the people to do? How can you expect them to act? Thank you for listening. Every Wednesday morning, we publish a new narrative from life here. We are simply telling stories as we've seen them in Haiti. But Haiti is a fascinating country with a rich history, and there are many Haitian voices that can tell the story of Haiti in all its facets, and we encourage you to seek them out. As we made this episode, some names may have been changed to protect confidentiality. If you enjoyed the show, tell your friends or give us a rating wherever you find your podcasts. To learn more about the work of Light from Light in Haiti or to get involved, visit us on the web at lightfromlight.me. Thank you and God bless.